Welcome to yet another episode of Podcast of the Rings. I'm Jessica Lindenverde. My normal co-host is Alex Mitchell, and we're back at it again, talking about The Hobbit with our very special guest that it seems like our audience is prefer is Ben Goddard. Welcome back, Ben Goddard. Hi, everybody. I'm happy to Hi. be back. Hey, yeah, we had to pay you a lot to come back. Like, my quote keeps going up per, so like we might have to do like three episodes for Desolation of Smaug. Just, you know, <laughs> the holidays are here, you know, bills are tight, like it happens. Worth I totally penny. understand. I will and renegotiate. The, and, and the boost you've given us, we can afford it, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're saving money. You just money. know what you're worth. Yeah. What, yeah. Alex? We're saving money, honestly. <laughs> we're, we're losing we're, money by not paying Ben. We're all yeah. coming up. We're all coming up, Ben. Um, <clears throat> So... It is unusual because we spent the major we, we spent last week going scene by scene talking about uh Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, part one, but the first half of part one. And I, I think it's important you say Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, because that was a big thing we yes. mentioned is that it's like this is the Lord of the Rings prequel. It it is the Lord of the Rings prequel. Yeah. It's it's the same way that <laughs> It's a mouthful, but it is. The real title is The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, or The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. It's mm-hmm. in order for people to know what it is, it had that had to be part of the title. Well, you see what happened, you know, like uh, Glass Onion is coming out, and that's a Knives Out sequel, not a Benoit Blanc mystery or something like that. Like they had to put Knives Out in the title because even, you know, comic book movies rule the world around us, but even uh birds of prey you know the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn made no money and a big part of that was because of the title like i i thought birds of prey was a fine movie i know people liked liked it it more than others but like they literally had to change the title of the movie halfway through its run where harley quinn and the birds of prey like Mm -hmm. because you need that and you know people they need that name recognition. You need that hashtag that makes sense that people will be like, oh, that's that movie. Yeah, and the so, thing I already know. Yeah, and so it's like I'm surprised that, you know, the studio had enough faith. We're like, oh, yeah, The Hobbit is a recognizable enough title, but they definitely put, you know, put Howard Shore back in the booth. They made sure to make as many references to Lord of the Rings as possible, especially in this first movie. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, of, um, a lot of Easter eggs that we'll get yeah. into. Oh, I guess I. Well, so because Alex and I have been watching the Rankin Bass and rereading the Hobbit, um, and learning the history leading up to the first version of the Hobbit to the second re-release of it, the book, it feels like it's not unlike. Well, I think I feel like Peter Jackson is just doing what J.R.R. Tolkien did, which is like, hey, here's this, here's how these two things connect. So it didn't feel like it was forced. I, well, never mind. Forget it. Because you guys are talking about how visually and story-wise they embellished The Hobbit. Yes. To be. Yes. To be like Lord the of the Rings prequel. Like, yes, the dwarves want to go to the Lonely Mountain to reclaim their homeland. But Gandalf is also like, oh, well, Sorin might want to use that as a strategic point, yeah. And he might want to, you know, draft Smaug into the, the Dark Army. So it's like. It's very and there are plenty of videos out there like Nerd of the Rings is a great YouTube channel uh, mm-hmm. where it's like, what if Smaug had, you know, joined Sauron? It'd be like, it'd be game over. Like it, would, it yeah. wouldn't have been a fight. It would have. Would like, it have been game over or would they have found yeah. the, the breastplate that was 
the, like the hole in his breastplate. Like that ended him in one arrow. Well, Bilbo wouldn't have been able to sneak up and see it. That was the only reason they found the weakness. Why? Why would it have been game over? It, it's imagine this is like World War Two Manhattan Project. The the nuclear weapons that help end the war. He's that powerful. And yeah. a nuclear weapon with an IQ of like two hundred. Like yeah. uh, they don't they don't do too much of it, and that's like we'll get to it. You know, in in three weeks. Where like the whole <laughs> Benny Hill kind of chase of like, hey, we're over here. Hey, we're over here, Chase. I'm like, okay, Smaug is much smarter than this in the books. And like he, he dragons have uh, like this kind of hypnosis that they put over people. Um, oh, and, sure. And so it, it would have been maybe not game over, but it would have been, I mean, it would have been very tough. Like even yeah. more so tough of like, being surrounded by 10,000 orcs and luckily Frodo bails them out of a of a of a card right and, there like and no eagles are going to turn the tide of that dragon fight that's and, right they're all flying away on fire yeah. and and not to mention as well you have to think about this which gets more into stuff that we learn in Lord of the Rings but the strategic importance of Erebor and the surrounding areas as a location um is important because because Smaug is defeated and the free peoples are able to rebuild there, um, that's important for the War of the Ring where Sauron can't use that as a foothold to help his military conquest as well. So it's not only the fact that he would have a dragon as a weapon, but now he has that as a place um, to stage his armies. Yeah, That's right? interesting. Rivendell would have fallen way quicker. Yeah, he would have attacked uh, Thranduil's kingdom from the Lonely Mountain... And like they, they barely won their fight as well as the the dwarves of the and, Iron Mountains, like and Lothlorien as well. Yeah, because he attacks it, and Galadriel defends. Uh, he attacks from Dol Guldur in the War of the Ring. But mm -hmm. imagine if he had had a much better foothold there, Lothlorien would have fallen as well. Do they not illustrate that in the movie? They don't. No, do no. they? But that is in the book. Mm -hmm. Ah, I can't wait. Yeah, for that when part. in. When Frodo flees from Boromir and he sits on that chair and sees the eye in the book, it like he it's like a it's like a watchtower that he can see around the Middle Earth and he sees like the Iron Mountains are on fire, Lothlorien is being sieged, and so mm. is uh, Mirkwood, and like you know he sees all like of Sauron's armies moving around. So there's like a little bit of that, you know. He just goes straight to Mordor in the movie, but he sees like kind of everything that is about to go down in the War of right. the Ring. Crazy. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, I read The Hobbit and I read The Lord of the Rings years and years ago. So all that really does stick in my head is the movies. And so it's been really interesting going back to the books. My question is, uh, before we jump into the movie and our, uh, I, have to, I left my tarot back there, but I'll grab it in a second. W would Smaug have joined Sauron? And why? Because I think Smaug, I think Smaug is the perfect definition of, uh, like evil neutral. Yeah, I mean the dragons were created as weapons of Morgoth, so I think there is that sort of inherent connection similar to the orcs um, that Sauron would be able to tap into sure. to turn him to his side. Um, I just feel like he's lazy. He wants to sleep. Look at his gold. But he knows how to motivate people. 
Sauron yeah. is like the ultimate deceiver. And so he knows like, oh, you know, hey, why don't you go um why don't you go take back Moria for us, you know? Just just do that. Or, you know, like yeah. go uh and since you're over there, I mean, might as well just sack Rivendell. I mean, it's right there. I mean and so like yeah, he there. He just knows how to, to gaslight people into doing what they want without them realizing it. Like, Saruman is the most powerful wizard, and he got him under his wing Yeah, he, he, he defeated Sauron, uh, Saruman, um, Sauron mentally. Like, he yeah. went, oh, yeah, I can't deal with this. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I 100% would not have had the strength that Galadriel apparently had in Rings of Power to turn down that face, that yep. accent, that body, and that <laughs> offer. I just, I would like to think that I'm better than that, and I'm just not. There's yeah. a, I learned, on one, of, on one of the episodes of Podcast of the Rings, nope, not Podcast of the Rings, you don't know Nick, I had a guest, um, my friend Dr. Christopher, and he was talking about Plato and Plato's philosophy of the ring that it makes you invisible when you put it on. And like this worker was told like, hey, if you got this invisible ring, what would you do? He goes, oh, well, I'd liberate the sad princess and I would give steal the money and give it to the town, you know, basically a la Robin Hood. And Plato's like, BS, man, yeah. you would kill the prince sleep with the princess, steal the money, and get out of Dodge. And it really is the illusion that I, I, I really think Tolkien strongly pulls from that. It has to be. The fact that n not everyone is Frodo, let's put it that way, to resist no. it as long as he did. Yeah. And that's just it. Not everyone can be. We all want to be, but we can't all be And, and no one ever, well, with maybe the exceptions of Sam and to – a certain extent bilbo like resists the power of the ring no one ever actually besides bilbo makes the choice to give up the ring under and duress though and, to be fair yeah bilbo yeah. only does it because gandalf helps him right and uses his strength and, Which and his own ring the power a of a great his own allegory ring for if you need help ask yeah totally. <laughs> yes the first step is admitting that you need help. All right. You two hold down the fort while I go grab the tarot deck sure. momentarily. Yeah. Momentarily. Oh, I nailed it. Did there. Uh, circling back a little bit while Jess does this. Uh, one of my favorite board games is The War of the Ring. And I love it because it you can actually play out the the battles in the north and, mm. and Dale and, and Lothlorien. Uh, it's like a tactical war game. And so I love that. And it also allows you to sort of, it's like alternate histories you get to create in, in this two-player game where one person's controlling the forces of evil and one's controlling the free peoples. So you can yeah. be like, what if they took a different path with the ring? What if they yeah. actually didn't go through Moria? Ben, uh, if I so could make a, 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 if I can give you a word of advice, if you want to remain friends with Alex, don't ever play a deceptive game a la Mafia or Among Us or anything like that. You just won't want to be associated with him. It's so much fun, play. though. I You're, love playing oh, those games. Those Among Us days, like, <sighs> just screaming and gaslighting at your friends and then... <laughs> it actually just... has made me such a good liar. It, or a yeah. uh, jokester. Like, I, Alex uh, was out here and we went to the... Um, the Universal Studio backlot tour. He'd never been and I was... Mm. I got him a couple good times. Like, oh my god, I've never seen this on the earthquake part and... 
He's like, oh, good stuff. you yeah. got, you just have to learn how to really undersell. And I, I have this huge tell where I'm like, I'm about to tell you a joke, and my eye starts twitching, and, and my like lips curl to the side. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so I excited. Just, I, I deceive myself, really. All right, uh, Ben, since you're our guest, you're going to uh, tell me when to stop starting now. Mm, stop. Okay. And remember, upside down. Or, oh, this is right side up, the sword, uh, the seven of swords. So let's see. What are, what are, while I do this, Alex, for those that have never heard this, what am I doing right now? Uh, Ben has chosen a tarot card and Jess is consulting the wonderful fold out that came with. And this is a set of Lord of the Rings tarot themed uh, themed tarot cards. Uh, so we're going to see, I don't know what this tarot card might apply to, what this episode's going to be like, what we thought of the movie, just life in general, maybe. Who knows? It, it could resonate. I mean, you don't even have to share. Maybe it resonates with someone in the audience, and that's all that matters. The Seven of Swords, upright. The Seven of Swords finds you with worm tongue whispering in your ear, his Ooh. words steeped in betrayal. You have likely discovered that some of your allies are really opponents, guys, Making you wonder if there's anyone you can trust. Oh, my God. And there is yourself. Think strategically and keep your own interests top of mind. We were just talking about you being deceptive. That's 100. I don't care who says astrology and tarot cards (laughs) don't work. That works. Very fitting to what we literally were just talking about. Beyond yeah. fitting. Well, it seems like we can't trust each other, so might as well do an hour and a half long podcast together. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Welcome to part two of part one of The Hobbit. I'm back again here after that two-second break with Ben Goddard and Alex Mitchell. Let's get into it. Where do we leave it, boys? Uh, the company had just arrived in Rivendell, in Ladris. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited for this part. And I have to say, like, this moment, despite my feelings about what happens in Rivendell, the the just shot of the reveal with the Howard Shore cue is gorgeous. It hits you in the feels if you are a fan of the... Um, the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy. Beautiful. It's so good. The Howard yeah. Shore just put his whole back into this score and just everything about it works. I, I don't yeah. care if it's copying Lord of the Rings. It doesn't matter. It still sounds just as good in this movie. Oh, yeah. Well, like you can't make, if you were to do another Harry Potter sequel or if you were to do another Star Wars that was of the the Skywalker, you can't do it without those songs. Or like right. hearkening to them, so you can understand why I, I can understand why it's connected, right? Yeah, absolutely. and even his like I love his theme for Rings of Power too. It's like just enough of a sort of homage to uh, what he did in in the Peter Jackson movies. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, like rewatching these movies, uh, the, even even like the dwarf theme grows on me, even though even if it's new, uh, mm-hmm. I just he, he's just an amazing composer. And I, I grew up. Uh, you know, when these movies came out uh, with my D&D group, we would just have that on loop, all three soundtracks when we played D&D. So I, ha- I have these scores in my blood ingrained in me. So they're, they're, of so, the good. Hobbit? they're so good. No, no, no. Lord of the Rings. Okay. 
Which is fine if it's the Hobbit. I just thought that that was funny. No, no, I those came out later. <laughs> and to be fair, too, there was a, a minute when we were watching Rings of Power where I was like, God, I can't recognize a single theme the of Bear McCreary's um, orchestration. And it just took a couple episodes. You just have to wrap your brain around it. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my biggest criticisms about the MCU movies is, and there's actually, you know, great YouTube videos out there. And, and I had tweeted about it and both like, Hector Navarro and Joe Starr was like, there's a reason why nothing is memorable. They even have like a small Captain America theme, but it's really unpronounced. And it, the theory being they want the movies to do well, so they don't want to take risks when it comes to themes being memorable. And there's also yeah. like an issue of like they'll, ha- they'll put in placeholders and stuff, and then the director only hears these placeholders from other movies and, and goes, yes. wait, I just want that. Yeah. You know, it, it's a mere exposure effect, right? You've heard something a million times. and But you don't remember something if it's not a bold choice, like Superman, right? Or like Star Wars. Who thinks to do bum ba bum You know, like, it's... Well, to, to be fair with Star Wars, because that, that is a problem, uh, you know, coming from a musician's perspective of, like, the director only wanting what the placeholder score is. But even with Star Wars, some of the placeholder scores they used... Uh, Howard Shore just ripped off, and so there, there's plenty of uh, analysis. I think uh, it's like Holst and a couple other classical composers. He just straight up ripped off their scores, and it works, and they're memorable. Uh, so there's something to be said about that. But um, yeah, it, I think that that is also one of the things that that um, that video was talking about that they both shared with me is that like at a certain point you are just going to end up rewriting the thing, but we also don't exist in a void as artists anyway. Like like the whole internet, if you're on Twitter, which God help you, but is about the AI art is, is it's theft. And in certain cases, artists can directly go, that was my art. But Mm -hmm. in, in reality, it's supposed to be an amalgam, right? It's like, Oh, this influenced me from, or like the AI would pull from little different areas of the internet, as opposed to directly ripping off an artist. But also, we all steal art from everyone else, too, because our art doesn't exist in a void. You wouldn't know what kind of art you wanted to do if you weren't inspired by Johnny Carson or Steve Martin or Drew Barrymore. You, you wouldn't know. I would not be the actress I am if I didn't watch Jennifer Aniston on Friends since I was a kid. Now, right. now that I said that, you'll see it in everything I do. It's, it's, I actually didn't. <laughs> I'd have a friend point it out to me like, oh, my God, you're, you're Rachel. and that's fine and it's great because like who else would you want to be really but i i couldn't i was directly influenced and that is art in general so for good or for bad it works and it, it it does give us something to hang our hat on at the end of the day but there is still bold choices in what howard shore does too yes absolutely is my really long-winded thought on that all right so we roll into rivendell and this is really where the movie just starts torpedoing for me. it's firing on all cylinders it uh, is interesting i so here's here's where an interesting aspect in addition to this story gets fleshed out is this idea of the white council meeting and them ha- like Gandalf being afraid he has to convince them to like let this quest happen, which 
isn't really I, I get what they're trying to do, but I think it's a little bit odd. Um and and this all the White Council stuff, it, it just grinds the pace of the movie a little bit to a halt. Uh, I think I I remember saying when we were watching this, Jess, um, during the White Council scene, like, hey, remember the adventure Bilbo's on? Wasn't well, that, that cool? Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it does like, completely derail it. And if it's about The yeah. Hobbit, it stops becoming about The Hobbit, right, at that yeah. moment in time. My question, though, is, and this was uh, one of my, my die on the hill points about Rings of Power, is if you're brand new to this. You've never seen Lord of the Rings. You're like, ah, you know what? For some dumb reason, I'm going to jump into the Rings of Power. I'm going to jump into The Hobbit. Do you need this scene? Does this scene help you? If And, and this is where the whole idea of um, this being a prequel trilogy really, I think, uh, becomes important. If you've never seen the Lord of the Rings movies and you watch The Hobbit trilogy, so much of this stuff makes zero sense. Are you sure about that, though? Or is it just you... Yes, because like, what do you no. think, Ben? <clears throat> I think it's a little bit of both because when you talk about Rings of Power, I was thinking about that. Like, the only reason we're kind of on Galadriel's side is because we know the future. Like, like you know, if there had been, you know, how long was it? Like three hundred years of peace without Sauron? I can't remember what the number was that they're throwing around in Rings of Power. But it's been a yeah, like sure. it's been a they're, long they're time since Sauron on like hadn't yeah. you know we hadn't seen Sauron like people thought he was defeated like we don't see any orcs at all, so like I like Gilgalad is a little bit of a a, a d bag in the show but you know I don't I can't fault him for thinking this way of like yo like we're good we did the thing we won the battle. But we know better, like we're on Gladriel's side because we know better because of outside sources. And it's a little bit of both in this where I think they do a good job explaining what a necromancer is and, you know, uh, Dol Guldir and, you know, like uh, that stuff. But also you recognize like a Morgul blade. Like, yeah, I know that thing. Like, that's what stabbed Frodo. Like, I, I yeah. recognize, you know, the most recognizable. I recognize the Witch King. Like, I recognize that spirit or, you know, I did my my nerdy self. Um right. So there, it's a little bit of both. I think they do do a good job of explaining it, but it is very much this is the few. This is Lord of the Rings prequel right here. This right. is where we divert from. Oh yeah, like Radagast is talking about this. Oh no, this is we had a chance, you know, and especially like you know in Battle of the Five Armies when Saruman's like, "I'll handle this," and it's like, "Okay, okay, we got it, we got it." <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it. It to for me. I didn't watch the extended version of this one. I've seen it like once or twice, and you know, uh, but I own the extended of the the next two, so maybe it's cut down a little bit. Like I know we don't have naked dwarves swimming in the the regular version, which I know is in the extended. Oh yeah. Um, but maybe the White Council is shorter to me. To me, it doesn't grind so much to a halt. Like for maybe in the theatrical cut, it it flows better, uh, but. I think it it does a good job of like, hey, like, yeah, we know we're talking about the Hobbit, but we got to make three movies, so here's here's some Lord of the Rings stuff. But would you I, I rather think... them not do that scene and make two movies? Oh yeah, I want to see Guillermo del Toro's two movies. I just right. I just watched Pinocchio last night. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Um, I want to see the two movies with Ron Perlman as like Azog or something like that. I right. want to see that for right. sure. 
Absolutely. I love Peter Jackson, and I know this is like 95% studio stuff, and he picked up what he could. Oh, we didn't even talk uh, last week about Ian McKellen's like meltdown on set about uh you guys have never seen that I, footage i didn't know this no like uh it's i don't want to say meltdown i love this man so much but and you we know, all they do... are pushed to our brink at different times and yeah. then there's a camera on yeah you, all, you know um sure. and you know all of like uh lord of the rings is you know forced perspective there's like a little green screen here and there but you know they're doing like Practical. he's standing on a box or something like that there's the dinner scene with the with the dwarves at bilbo's it's just ian mckelling by himself green screen and tennis balls 13 tennis balls of like points of reference and at one point he's just peter i can't i can't do this this isn't acting like there's no one here i'm not talking to anybody like what is going on and it's like just really sad and it's just they had this this deadline they had to meet it and you know peter jackson wasn't even supposed to you know it's like this is my day off i'm not even supposed to be here today (laughs) and so like this is and now we've seen that he hasn't directed anything since this trilogy. He's done those amazing documentaries. We shall not grow yeah. old is beautiful. Um, but and this the, movie, just the this one. trilogy, like just broke Peter Jackson. And like, you know, he probably hated what he was doing to his actors of like all green screen, all CGI. When there's, you know, all the documentaries of them, like hand making the mail for every single Gondorian soldier in Lord of the Rings, like everything's practical that they could. And so it's just such a different rush production. So I don't know. I I view that through that lens, and maybe that's my version of rose colored glasses, where it's like, you know what, they did. They're doing the best we can. So yeah, that's that's my long winded answer. No, I think that's right. Um, to go back to like the idea, just for for clarity's sake, for me, to go back to the idea that would this have worked if you had never seen The Hobbit or if you've never seen The Lord of the Rings? It actually doesn't because they don't introduce who Gladriel is at all. They just rest on the fact that you know who she is and then this is a moment where you see her. And, and Saruman. Right, they're just like, like oh, the- here's these two people that you don't need to know. So like that yeah. actually doesn't work on a standalone uh, introduction all by itself. The the look um, that Gandalf gives when he sees Saruman too, I think is very funny. Where it's like, it's, it's like when that friend walks in where you're like, oh, it, we're going to have to hang out with them now. Like, just kind of a, a, a stink face. But yeah, it's uh, like which, your, your boss is at the, the Christmas party. <laughs> yeah. And but it's I think like, that's yeah, odd, you don't... though. Because didn't he have reverence for Sauron until he knew yeah. that? So, like. I, there, there were conflicts, um, but, uh, th- and there were tensions. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if it's to that that extent because um, there were, th- they're kind of like rings of power did compressing the timeline of the white council where this meeting we see had happened or a lot of the things they're drawing Actoring from during Mirkwood or whatever. Had, yeah. They had, mm. they'd happened almost a hundred years prior. Oh, um, so they're kind of, which is, it's fine. Like they're just mixing these two. If, if you want to include that stuff, sure. Compress the timeline. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if there would have been as much, kind of antagonism between uh, Saruman and Gandalf as, as they're portraying here. Uh, we but... would have had to take time to introduce them. Who the heck is that guy? Yeah. And again, like if I, if I'm just now watching this movie, like never seeing Lord of the Rings, I'm like, what, why, who's Saruman? Like what, why is this important? But I, I do feel like Lord of the Rings earned that. Like. It totally does. It earned, yeah. like, you know, 
Avatar is going to come out next week. They're not going to re-explain what Pandora is and what the Navi are and stuff. There's going to be sure. new. There's going to be new unobtainiums, whatever is going to be there. But they're not going to have to re-explain the lore. It's like you've seen you've seen Pandora, like you've seen sure. Avatar. And so I think like Lord of the Rings, like, you know who Gladriel and Sauron are like they kind of yeah. introduce Elrond, the Lord of Rivendell. And, you know, they they give Smaug his backstory. They give, you know, Bard the Bowman his backstory. So like all the other, you know, Thranduil, they give his backstory a little bit mm -hmm. and you kind of get where he's coming, especially in the extended you know, all the stuff about Legolas, his mother is really put into the forefront. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I think Lord of the Rings has earned that. You know who these two are like they're yeah, they're fair. only in this scene besides, you know, like the the, the fight at the end of uh, Battle of Five Armies. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, for me, it's like they've earned that street cred of like, uh, I don't needs no introduction yeah it, it i guess what it comes down to for me is like just what the movie was trying to do what these movies mm -hmm. were trying to do and just the fact that i don't think there should be that uh reliance upon lord of the rings i'm not saying it's not it's unearned but uh it would have been because that's the sort of the original intent of the story itself yeah is it's this standalone thing and it does connect uh if you're if you care to look into it but I, I I don't know. It it's just it it contrasts too much in tone with the rest of the. No 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 no. I get like me, so. I want the Hobbit. I don't need a yeah, Lord of the Rings yeah. trilogy. And you know like I wanted a Hobbit story, but like just as so far as like oh this is Galadriel like you know the Lady of Lothlorien like I, I don't need that. I don't, I don't think the movie. But again, uh, I loved seeing. I, we talked about this last week, but I liked seeing like proto for two seconds i was like this is yeah. so dorky and campy but it works and it shouldn't and it's great and yeah. who doesn't want elijah wood sells it so hard just like hey what's up i'm <laughs> back <laughs> i'm a hobbit <laughs> and, yeah. and i think that's fine because that's just a little moment but this is like a whole sort of sequence and that will carry oh, on it, into Alex. the other movies that it just grinds the story to a halt see see for me the, the biggest problem and i have this written down is the weird romantic tension they give galadriel and gandalf in this trilogy wh where it's just like yeah she's married yeah she has a canonical husband yeah that but we have met Celeborn sucks though hold Th on. that's hold on am i missing something you like they're like holding hands and then I see. I thought that then, was like, just she's affectionate, like in the same way where we don't um have homophobia about the men being loving. Like I read it as like brother sister. Okay, here's here's a better example. When Elrond greets uh Galadriel in Rings of Power, they're incredibly affectionate affectionate and he's about he's gonna be his her her son-in-law eventually like they're not interested in each other but there's a lot of affection and so i i chose to read it that way i i saw like see i don't know maybe it's just like the actors and maybe they're like ian mckellen and kate blanchett are just on a different level yeah sure than morfid yeah. clark uh, and <laughs> that's, that's also no, no offense no offense to them like those no. are two world-class actors like and the fact that kate blanchett was 31 when she made lord of the rings it will forever be insane to me um, it's hard. It, I actually blew my mind too. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. Like, just because, especially like you know, in Battle of Fight, like we keep referencing the other movies, but he's like, "Come with me." It's like, get, stop. 
Like, yeah. all right. Well, I'll, I because I have not gone into the next two movies yet. I have a yeah. lot to look out for. Apparently, oh, yeah. Just wait. Yikes. Um, just wait. Yikes. S- speaking of of Gandalf Galadriel moments, though, there were two in this sort of uh, uh, White Council sequence that uh, I loved and hated at the same time. Is so when you get this reveal, so they're they're discussing the Morgul blade and what to do, and there's the the reveal of the Morgul blade. And then Saruman goes on a long-winded rant about why it's a terrible idea. And then Galadriel is like, they've left already, haven't they? And then the look that Gandalf gives her of like, ooh. Like, he's <laughs> yeah, like so it. he's so pleased he's with himself. Like scamp. Gandalf the scamp. He's like, he's young yeah. and rebellious. And like that's the, that's kind of the look that I was taking from it, is just like he knows the yeah. greater implications that waking the dragon could have. And he's like, I tried to get this under the radar past HR and here, <laughs> here, here they are like, a, but like, let me go to Rivendell. Like he, Rivendell, he can't, you can't get under the radar if you're going to the last homely house. Well, well cause they need to check out the map. Yeah. I and know. So luckily guys, luckily the, the moon m- runes that are written and can only be read on the moon that they were written. It's tonight. Guys, that- it's tonight. Okay, I hate that it. aspect I hate I'm fine with. No, you're because, the worst with no, this, No, 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 no. Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. That aspect I'm fine with because chance and fortune and fate play a big part in Tolkien's work, and that's fine. Here's what I have a problem with, and this is super nitpicky, but, like, Elrond has, like, a, 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 a moon letter plinth <laughs> or, you know, altar. It's just like, oh, here, let me take you to my moon letter room. Like, <laughs> see, I, see, I, I'm the exact opposite. I, love this. I believe a hundred percent that Elrond, the greatest elf ever, <laughs> would have a table that just reads moon letters and yeah. like you're just showing people, like, oh yeah, that's the that's the moon. Um, what's up, MTV Cribs? It's my moon letter table. <laughs> this thing is baller <laughs> as hell, man. Like I never use this, but like who wouldn't want one? Like am I right? Come on now. Hold on, you're like, totally right. It's like Galadriel's water mirror. Like it's it's the same thing. Yeah. She's just stunting on everybody. But, but Absolutely. But it is like a little much because all Elrond does in the book is hold it up to the moon. And yeah. it, does, it didn't need to be much more grandiose than that. But but it that's is the, an epic, right? It's a that's the MO epic. of this movie is making everything more epic. Let's see, like, if was. they just said if they just said, Oh, it can only be read on a full moon, I get that. And so, you know, you have like once a month to read it or something and you just haven't thought to have the map out or something. But, but just like 365 days. Yeah. It's actually insane to me, too, and bothers the heck out of me. Yeah. See, I'm way more that Elrond would definitely have a moon table more so than <laughs> they just happen to be there. Because especially like, you know, Lord of the Rings, it looks very Russian. Like, oh, my God, we got to get the ring out of here when really like 20 years goes by between Bilbo leaving the Shire right. and Frodo yes. setting out on his quest. And so I if Tolkien wrote that like, oh, yeah, they stayed a few months in Rivendell to, you know, recoup. I'd be like, yeah, that that's totally Tolkien of them, like just to eat a bunch of Limbus bread and chill out and have a nap while, you know, w- you know, waiting for the right moon to come around. 100 percent. And now Ron's like, oh, there's definitely moon letters here. I can't read it yet, but uh, we'll yeah. see. And he holds it up well, every day. <laughs> they, they, yeah. they were there for a while but, in the book. Alex, I think but you I'm need saying, to stop like, being a The Tolkien script writer apologist. went out of the way to say this exact thing. And so it's just like you it's an easily avoidable like nitpick to just be like and like I'm sure nitpickers would be like, oh, really? They just happen to be there on a full moon. It's like, yeah, 
I'm okay with that. But like they just happen to be there on the exact right day of the year. Like they happen to be there on, you know, March 13th. Like, okay. Would people would much. people have rioted though if they if if Jackson had changed the original source of the text that is is found on that exact date too in the book? So would people have rioted if he changed it? I don't think so. I think Jackson's also earned that credit, even so from like the Tolkien estate of like, yeah. we trust you with this. Right. Like, it's okay to like take those, you know, even like, you know, we were talking about it on stream, Jess, of like Aragorn's entire arc. Like he's got when Frodo and Pippin and Mary and Sam meet Strider, he's got the broken hilt with him. Right. He's like, I'm ready to be king. I, like, I'm about that life. <laughs> and they totally changed his they made it his story arc where he's like, no, I don't want it. I never wanted it until yeah. the third movie. So like that's a that's a much bigger change than, you know, moon runes. <laughs> Speaking of the the shards of Narsil. OK, that's another one of those things that I was like, why was this in here is just. See, it's not in the that's not in the theatrical cut. It's not. OK, oh. so that's an extended. It's literally just a scene it's like 20 seconds of Bilbo hanging out and looking at the shards of Narsil and yeah. looking at the mural of uh, Isildur and Sauron. And he sees the ring. Um, why is that shot in there? It's that, that's, that is um, egregious. That's yeah, where it gets that, egregious. Some of this other stuff, I'm like, okay, maybe I don't like it as much, but that's like literally just, it's pandering a little bit. This thing, like for for me, the Rivendell stuff in the theatrical cut works better because like they go there, they have dinner, you know, all the 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 elf music is playing. Then uh, they, you know, like Glamdring or Chris. Oh, yeah. it's a letter opener. I love Balin so much. Ken Stott is so great. Can, can we <laughs> say one thing that is terrible about that sequence? Um, wow, Alex, regardless really of what you so no, big. regardless of what you think of adaptations, is the the homophobic joke with Keeley. Yes. I, oh. Why did they do that? So where where he's he's checking out uh one of the elves playing harp to foreshadow his romance with Toriel later on. Oh, okay, not in the, not in the theatrical. Re okay, I'm glad they cut it then. Yeah. But this was in the extended. So there and he he says like, "Oh, elves, the creamy skin or whatever is too much, you know, I don't like that." Um and they're giving him uh crap for it. Um, trying to hide his infatuation mm -hmm. with this, his with obsession this elf lady. with elves. It's so yes. it's so f boy that it makes me upset. It makes and, me because it makes his attachment to the this elf that I do have to know a little bit about being Kate Beckinsale. It makes me so angry as a woman. I'm like, just fall in love with her. Uh, wait, Kate, what? It's Kate Beckinsale. No, it's not Kate Beckinsale. Evangeline Lily. She always looks like Kate yeah. Beckinsale. Though, yeah. to me. Yeah, Evangeline Lily. Who f her? Um. Well, Yes, but so so then the joke is like he looks and says, "Oh, that one is maybe more uh, to my liking." And then I can't remember one of the other drawers says, "Oh, well, that's not a that's no maid." And then the elf turns around and it's a guy, and they laugh. At oh, him okay. And it's like it's a casual this homophobia. Is, this is gross. Yeah, just casual homophobia. I'm glad they cut that from the the theatrical version. I actually I'm upset. At, I was like take, I was taken aback by that, but it's also of the era. But I was like, Ugh, this is so unnecessary. Such an unnecessary joke. But yeah. Um, I really was more offended personally because it felt, it, I felt like it was a direct reflection on me. Like a guy's just waiting for the hot version of what, like, like the version of the hot chick he's always wanted to finally pay attention to him. It was definitely like, it, it had like, just, it just had sad boy vibes of like, 
I can't wait until that kind of girl comes into my life kind of thing. I just hated yeah. it. Dislike. <laughs> Dislike. They were just the really bad house guests. Like They're not good house guests. No wonder like, they're racist them, but... against dwarves. <laughs> A little bit. Not really. I mean, there's yeah, no they're... excuse, but still. I, I think it was more like, hey, remember the last time we like put up a company of dwarves in Rivendell? Remember how long that took us to, you know, get everything back to normal? To clean the stink out of the room? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, they had yeah. to they had to burn the carpets and the bedding and everything after they left, I'm sure. Well it's it's such a weird turn too, because like when, you know, Elrond is like they're so gracious. Like they show them these elvish swords, like the history of their people. He's like, Oh yeah, this is Orchrist. Good luck, man. And then, and like, oh, and what about this map? It's like, you told him? It's like, he just gave you, like, this amazing glow-in-the-dark, let-you-know-when-enemies-are-around sword, and you're still, like, not trusting this person? Like, what is going on, Thorin? Chill out, dude. It's so back yeah. and forth, and it is not, it's not trackable, the reason why he... He's so emo boy, too. It's... Like, him hating Thranduil, I understand. Yes. I understand yes. why. But just, like... Elrond is showing you every hospitality in this moment while you are being a dick to his face. Yeah, it's yeah. really – it's you can understand the dislike. Although what's interesting yeah. is the Rings of Power does give a whole different like understanding of Elrond's affinity and care for dwarves too. I know that it's extrapolated upon and it, it, this wasn't canon for the movies. But – yeah. Elrond is supposed to be a kind, open-hearted guy. And actually, this version of him is more akin to the version that Alex taught me about, that Tolkien wrote about, than his than What's-His-Face's version in the movie, in the Lord of the Rings movie. So his portrayal of Elrond here is more jovial and nice and authoritative. What's his name? You know. Uh, Hugo, uh, Hugo Weaving. Weaving. Hugo, Hugo Weaving does a better job embodying Elrond, the Elrond we should know from the books into this. Would you agree? Yeah, he's, he's, he's still a little stuffy. Um, like, the the moment he has with Bilbo where they're on the balcony and they're he's like, oh, what I've heard of hobbits, they're pretty hardy. And then Bilbo sort of says, well, I heard not to seek the advice of elves because they'll say yes and no. The fact that, uh, so that's lifted from what Frodo says to Gildor in Fellowship of the Ring, and in that moment in Fellowship of the Ring, it's very jokey and they're they're bantering with each other and it's playful and, and uh, 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 Gildor laughs at him. He's like, oh, you know, that's a funny sort of joke. Uh, and here, Elrond just kind of like looks at him. And that didn't seem slight... like it was a funny moment to you? There, there's a slight smile, but like the, the Elrond I imagine, and obviously they're never going to get the Elrond I imagine on screen, but would be like giving a hearty laugh. He, That's he's, he's not little... true, and it is true, Bilbo. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like he he never engages really with the banter. It's just kind of like a wry, cold kind of like acknowledgement of it. Whereas the book around, I imagine would would be a little bit more engaged with that kind of thing. But, I think uh, that's like the elves. They just like, do we ever see an elf laugh in six movies? Does like I don't think Legolas ever laughs. Like, you know, Haldir, God, like, so weird. begrudgingly accepts Aragorn's hug yeah. with, you know, they, they do the wry smiles. Like, that's that's yeah. as much emotion well, as we get out of the elves. Oh, no. Uh, Galadriel does laugh when Gimli uh, asks says, for like, the oh, hair. Just, 
as for the hair. So that is like the one laugh we get is Gladriel, and it's like the most it's the most precious thing you've ever seen. You know mm-hmm. what? That actually gives even more clarity as to why Morpeth Clark's smile while she's on the horse is jarring. Yeah. I, just, I don't know if that was your experience, Ben, but Alex and I really were like taken aback when they're riding, uh, her and Elendil are riding, and she's like, her 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 lips are touching her ears. That's how big she's smiling. And it's like, what, girl? <laughs> it's, it's just such a difficult task because both Elrond and Galadriel are formed as like these godlike, otherworldly beings. And so... We get them in these little doses and it makes sense, you know, like glad you're always being surrounded by light and wonder and like these dreamlike states that they put these elves in. And then, you know, and then like, you know, or they're like, you know, in the third movie, they're badass and they're fighting and they're just kicking all the ass. But spending 10 episodes with them and making sure. them have to be relatable with a little bit of shades of gray in there. It's a tough job to do yeah. when Tolkien's world is so black and white like I, I you know, totally it's not Game of Thrones like there's not good and bad in everybody and like oh they're doing it for this reason like it is a tougher job to create those shades of gray where there just haven't been in like the history of like Middle Earth almost I agree I, I think it's, it's it's also people had a hard time remembering we're looking at even if she's old a younger version of Gladriel we're looking at a younger version of Elrond and so they are these characters have to have an arc if you're going to do a story. Mm-hmm. And honestly, ultimately, this is where I land with the Rings of Power. And I know this is not what we're talking about. But I'm so glad they didn't remake Lord of the Rings because that was what was on the table. They could have done that. And instead, they really went for the harder choice to mm-hmm. bring to life lesser known versions of stories in the same world. And so they did use Elrond and Galadriel to give us an anchor. It's a harder, it's a hard, it's a bigger task that they didn't do such a bad job with, in my personal opinion. Anyway, our boys leave Rivendell, uh, and then it's time for the mountain? Is that what happens? Uh, well, they, they leave in the, the cover of night. Uh, Sexy. Uh, much to Gandalf's amusement. Um, and again, I like this because uh, it gives Gandalf a reason not to be there for when uh, the Goblin Town stuff happens, mm. uh, which is again right. nice that they explain it as opposed to just Gandalf peace and out. Like I gotta go somewhere else. But but here we get um, the Stone Giants sequence. I hate it. 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 This this is when the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings are different. The Hobbit is so fantastical and whimsical yeah. and light. And it's got stone giants. And you're like, what? You just kind of you're reading the book, and it's just kind of thrown in there. And it's like, whoa, these stone giants! Like, is this a real thing? And then you watch Lord of the Rings, and it's like, this is serious. This is war. This is the fate of the world. And then they're trying to bring that same tone into the Hobbit while keeping the stuff from the Hobbit book, and those tones clash a little bit. Yeah. And in taking, a vacuum, like it looks great. It's sick. But it doesn't fit with a Lord of the Rings prequel. Well, here's the other. I, so first of all, it's them running away from the Balrog is is what I felt like it was trying because it's a lot of jumping off rocks that are falling. It had that kind of intensity that I felt like they were trying to recapture to your point of it mirroring Lord of the Rings. 
Um, well, that, for for me in the in that formula, this would be like the Karathras moment. It is also where there's thunder oh, and lightning. Right. You're and, totally right. It is yeah. Karathras. Um, thank you for the clarification. And it happens right after they leave Rivendell. Right. Yeah. But my problem with it is the ridiculous impossibility. Not a single person would have survived what they went through. <laughs> nope. They're all dead. They're all dead. Like Bilbo died on that mountain that night. <laughs> and what carried on for the rest of the story was his soul. It should no one should have been able to jump from knee to knee of a a mountainous stone giant. And and here's the thing is I would have certainly the way I read it in the book, and maybe you guys can tell me what your impression of quote unquote stone giants that literally only had two sentences in the book, by the way. Like it was just yeah. 30 feet tall dudes throwing around rocks because they're having some fun. Yep. Yeah. That's what I thought. Now, is it cool that literal mountains came to life? Absolutely. But then you're telling me those guys are sleeping in that guy's crotch tonight? Is what happened? Where are they? Are it's all mountains? giants like it does it just doesn't it doesn't work it, it's too much suspension of disbelief to work for me i find it funny you're saying that about a fantasy movie but get get wrecked alex get <laughs> but, wrecked but it's true though like in a way where like you can lord only ask rings, us to listen to so much right well just like lord of the rings put this like in a grounded like fantastical world in some ways where it's like yeah there's there's orcs and trolls and balrogs, but like there, there are rules here. Uh, yeah. And so like, and so like having these stone giants in there, like clashes with that. I, I and think so. It, it's yeah. it, well, it's cause it's so, the soft magic. And Alex taught me like, that's a better phrase for it. It's not like, mm -hmm. it's like, I don't need to know how a lightsaber works, but if you want to describe it, fine. If you don't want to tell me it's crystals, great. But the soft magic of it, you can kind of buy a few things. But if yeah. you're telling me, first of all, I want to see those giants that they depicted. That's sick. Those guys, dwarves and a hobbit didn't survive that. And and that I can't believe. I can't believe that. Yeah. Yeah, this is something that the I Gandalf think... diving into the core of a mountain while riding a fire right. demon. Hell yes. And I mean, then and then climbing rock and roll. And then climbing yeah. all the way back up to the top of the mountain while still fighting the Balrog. Is that how he did? Days. Is that what he did? He, yes. he climbed yeah. back? Yep. yep. They fought all the way up to the top of the mountain. So I think that's funny actually, and this is something we can <laughs> unpack at the time of watching the movies or going over the books. But Gandalf is super shook at, before he knows it's the Balrog, right? And he's like almost depleted energetically. So, like, the first time, like, they're getting sieged in um, Balin's, what is it, Dwalin's grave, right? They're getting besieged. Balin's. Uh, Balin's, Balin's grave. Oh, poor Balin. We love him. Yeah. We stand him, Balin. It's my boy. I know. Yo. Um, but, so, like, Gandalf, like, does the strike of light, right? And they get out it toward the back, and Gandalf is, like, shook. What, do you remember that, Alex? Like, Yeah. Well, you know who's really shook is Legolas. I like that's such a that's such a Peter Jackson knowing the lore where like Legolas has shrugged off everything in that whole trilogy. And even yeah. in this trilogy, he's just like, you know, he's diving in headfirst against the spiders and against Volg and everybody and like do you'll I don't want to give it away. Yeah, I don't want to give it away. It's so good. It. Um but uh 
he is truly terrified of a Balrog. Like the look on his face, and they cut right to it when you just hear the growling and like just seeing the flames. And he's just like, oh, "Sorry, we're on a podcast." No, uh, it's he's actually, just like yeah. terrified. We, we People can hear it. the look on your face. But I, so I guess that's my point. Is in the book, uh, yes, I think you're right. It makes sense why. Uh, Legolas also is often honest where he's like, I know a lot of things. I don't know this. And he doesn't know yeah, what the yeah. heck a Balrog is or hasn't come across one. But so Gandalf says that he is ex- has was basically tapped out energetically because of what he put forth yeah. to stun everybody. How did he have the energy to fall for a week and then climb for two days and, ba- and battle this thing then? If he was spent... I mean, he died, so... <laughs> yeah. Oh. And also, he he knew that trying to get up off the the stuck out the bridge of Casadum would have gotten everybody else killed too. Like if they would have tried to come over and help get him out, they yeah. would have all been killed by the orcs that were attacking. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is, if he was exhausted and he fell, and that makes a lot of sense, and he was whipped down, how could he continue the fight if he was already tapped out? Haven't you seen Fast and Furious when they're already going 150 miles an hour and then they stick shift <laughs> and they somehow go faster? That's nitrous, That's baby. That's nitrous. Family. You're right. Family, family is family. how they do it. Alex okay. is part of the family now that he That's right. was on the uh, Universal Studios tour. You're part of the family. I know. Yeah. Honorary member. All right. So the stupidest sequence ever, they, get, they knee slap with giants. They end up in a cave. And then uh, we have... Uh, well, at the end of the stone giant sequence, uh, Thorin saves Bilbo's life uh, and almost dies in the process. He should have died. He should have died. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and he really... blames Bilbo for <laughs> <Yes>. stone giants. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he, he was lost ever since he left his home. He never was like, yeah. Thorin, do the, the scope of what is happening here. Right. And, and so we get this tension between them. And because of that, they, they end up sleeping in this cave. And then in the middle of the night, Bilbo's like, oh, I'm going to go back to Rivendell. I would clearly too. Thorin's mad and I don't belong here. I almost yeah. died. Social right. anxiety is one thing. Stone <laughs> oh. giants are one thing, but social anxiety. Ooh, I've no thank definitely you. slipped out of parties and many places yeah. without saying a word to anybody. I actually didn't think about this. It's reminiscent of me literally being... 11 or 10 and my first sleepover ever with 13 other girls and i was relegated to the corner of the room to sleep i know just because everyone was trying to fit, fit like in the room and i wanted to sleep on my friend's bed but like the her two closer friends slept on the bed so yeah. i was upset and then hot in a corner <laughs> and i got the mother up and i said i need to go <laughs> yeah yeah heck yes so i'm but Bobo. this i see him. this scene leads to like, yeah, we know Thorin, Feely, and Keeley, but boy, does Boffer break my heart. Oh, in my the, Like, yeah. this is where, like, having a classically trained British actor to say one important line matters. Yep. Because. And, and the way his face, like, changes. When he says, no, you don't get it. You don't have a home. Yeah, and you just, see Boffer's face drop. Yeah. And then him saying, I wish you all the luck in the world. It. I oh my gosh! Like just thinking about it is making me gonna yeah. tear up like, right like now. The like, emotional journey of like hurt, yeah, because he's been insulted, and then acceptance of like you're right, and then empathy for and you do have a home, so go like yeah, all in like three seconds. It's yeah. 
and and you get you read that reads. Do you hate Bilbo in that moment though? He, you know, we all say things we we regret. Like I don't hate Bilbo, but like that was a mean thing to say. But he's also like. They invaded his house. He got basically gaslit and FOMO'd into this trip. <laughs> yeah. He's been like almost killed already half a dozen times and blamed for stone giants 10 minutes ago. Like how dare Thorin. <laughs> so like I I don't hate him, but like, yeah, it, it was a, it was a rude thing to say to someone that is trying to like kind of like, no, man, like you're good. You're doing good. Like we all know Thorin's like Thorin. Don't let that get you down. Like Bofors trying to like kind of hype him up a little bit and keep him around. Uh, and he said something very rude. And and Bilbo, imme- but he immediately knows it. Like yeah. he doesn't like double down on it. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, you know, he's in a bad spot. He's in a spot he's never been. But also Bofor is apologizing for a pretty terrible boss. It's like. Yes, he is. It like. Not only this is very, very inadequate to compare, but it's the only thing my brain is drawing a comparison to. Like Harvey Weinstein is literal piece of poop, but his lawyers are too because they drafted clauses in contracts to protect him from being outed as a predator. And so in a sense... Boffer's going, yeah, he sucks, but just hang out with us still. Everything's fine. It's well, and 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 we don't know exactly what's in that contract Bilbo signed. Although we do know that they're, you know, absolved of all responsibility for uh, death or anything. Oh, and then what so, about emotional torture then, perhaps? It, yeah, it's probably in there. Right. It was probably in that it, little bit that folded out. To be fair, Boffer's also the one that telling him about, like, how fast dragon fire is. He's like, don't worry. <laughs> feel a flash of pain and poof, dust. It's like, yeah. it's okay. It's, You're good. It's over in a second. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, it's a horrible... Uh, uh, comparison to draw but it's the only one i could do uh but con- but contracts you're, you've got a good point yeah i don't think thorin deserved that comparison i'll just say that much i <laughs> don't doesn't. think thorin deserved he that is, he doesn't deserve that he's comparison. really petulant though and and you know what's interesting too is when you consider the era that these movies came out this i think we would have gotten a different casting of thorin if it was done today because it was very reminiscent of early 2000s sad boy music like he he really felt like it felt like he embodied like a killer's song album like emotion to me like just sad brooding i'm like i have nowhere to be I'm not except like dashboard confessional and thorin are they definitely like try to make him aragorn they definitely try to make thorin aragorn with like the brooding like beard like his like you know you see gimli's beard you see bomber and all the the backup doors they got these full beards but feely doesn't have one keely doesn't have one Thorn doesn't have one. Yeah, the hot like any, doors. Yeah. So it's like y- y- they tried to make him more relatable and like a little somber, but like v- very edge lord of like, yeah, man, I've had a tough life. That's what I'm he, saying. He, it had it like, had dashboard confessional on it for me. Yeah, he did. he's Aragorn. If Aragorn had had to have uh, taken up the the quest and the and and his mission, if he were in high school. And yeah. so he's just very yeah. Yeah, I like won't say emo about it. I say like Fallout Boy. Okay, like Fallout Boy's close. Yeah, that's like true. Early Fallout Boy, like take this to your grave, Fallout Boy. That's Thorin. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Like that's I hope better. you crash your car, Thranduil. One hundred percent. I'm not going to tell you where we're going. Yeah, Mom. I mean Thranduil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that's not that's just it. a phase, Gandalf. Okay. <laughs> I'm the. I'm gonna be a king. <laughs> you don't get yeah. it. My dad left me. Yeah. This is exactly. so hard. It sucks. 
That's it. That's it exactly. I think I just what I mean is like I think we would have gotten a little bit different of an interpretation if it was today or even ten years yeah. later. Mm-hmm. All right. And so- Alex, like you're you're saying or no, Jess, you said no one would survive the stone giants. Uh-huh. I couldn't believe more people surviving the stone giants than a rock trap door opening them yes. falling 30 feet at a time like there's yeah. like a whoop slide up whoop slide up all the way down to the goblin prison and let alone bilbo falling even further down the mountain like they do their best to be like oh we kind of slid here that's rock that is jagged rock this, this is where it gets full cartoon right yes. okay right, right. and i and i kind of love it i kind of love it they're just leading into this like fun house goblin town thing. Cause in the book, they just like the, the back of the cave opens up and they get taken by goblins. Yeah. Um, but yeah, here it's this Rube Goldberg sort of machine and they land and fall in goblin town. Uh, yeah, they all would have been dead. And then there's many falls later in the chase sequence that we'll yes. see where they just would have died. They would have died. That, and so that's entirely. why I was misremembering um, the stone giants being the mimic for Moria. Cause it is, like right. Moria, both like you know the way they're jumping yes. from platform to platform is Moria, and we're jumping a little bit ahead. We're skipping over Gollum, but well, I think we'll just spend a little more time on Gollum. But the the entire I hate I hate Goblin Town so much. I hate the Goblin King so much. I don't like. I would rather watch the White Council Council for two more hours than watch that but- chin. You don't like the 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 chin sack? What's not to like about it, Jess? I don't get it. If, Just it when it wobbles around it when human, he's singing. If it was a human that was blessed with that appendage on their body, I would have more empathy. I can't. That was so unnecessary. It was so upsetting. And you know what? I don't think I talked about this enough, and it's okay because I don't want to dwell on it, but the trolls disgusted me too. It's, I don't know. I just didn't need to have this amount of visceral, emotional. Did you want them to be like hot boys too? Yeah. Hot boy goblin king? I'm saying I don't want Thorin to be, so I'm not saying anyone needs to be. It's not like Azog's hot, but Azog can kind of get what's uh, going on there. Azog kind of is like, though. But you kind of get it, right? But the goblin yeah. king... How funny would it be if the goblins were like all six foot and the goblin king was like three foot? That's funny too. Okay, I'm getting. I, I, I think I think you need to have him be the biggest one. He's, he's yeah. the king. Like, how else are you going to get to become leader of Goblin by, Town if you're not the biggest? Being... You can just crush everybody. Uh. You know. Yeah, there's no like royal family in orc town or goblin town it's just strength i mean it's to be fair because he is literally crushing his kin yeah like what what happened with those guys they're dead now yeah but you can survive a 30 foot rock fall but you can't survive (laughs) being under his foot no there's some Uh, to be fair i would rather fall 30 feet down a mountain (laughs) than be crushed by the goblin king oh (laughs) that's a really fair point you probably Uh, twitch for a little bit longer than you'd want to yeah I love uh, his little uh, scribe guy that they that he like yeah. sends, and then he goes down in the little thing. Like, yeah, th- those are little fun details that I that I keep me going throughout this, these movies. Yeah, um, and I it, it just makes total sense. Like we're talking about who's going to be the Goblin King, the biggest one. Who's going to be the assistant to the king? It's going to be the tiniest guy because yeah. that's who's the only be the way Dwight he's Shrew not getting Goblin killed. Town. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I. 
this song that he sings, the clap snap, um, mm-hmm. I do have to say, I like the songs in The Hobbit. Um, they made it darker. like with, So they added lyrics to it uh, where he's just explicitly referencing torture and like putting them on his racks. You could listen to um, that? What? I couldn't even hear a word he was saying. I couldn't I couldn't even look at his chin. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I w- I was not as distracted as you, Jess, um uh by the by the chin sack. Um you know, I'm I'm not judging him as we as we watch this. You know, everyone is is different. Yeah. Uh and I can accept that. <laughs> I don't know, just like it it's tough because I like aesthetically what Goblin Town looks like, but it's also like why would anyone be afraid to go into Goblin Town when 13 dwarves and a wizard just carve their entire <laughs> way through it without breaking a sweat? <laughs> like, yeah, like it was. And, and I understand, you know, it's a tough thing to say, like how they escaped and stuff, because like Tolkien writes it very like kind of generally like, oh, they got out of there. Oh, it's a tussle and a bustle like kind of thing. Right. But just like they are cutting people's heads off. I do. My favorite part is when I think it's Keeley that's getting a bow fired at him and he grabs a ladder for cover, which is yeah. just the worst it's thing. It's insane. <laughs> like the fact that an arrow hits one of the ladder rungs is an, a more impressive shot than it missing a ladder <laughs> rung. So like, he should have like, just grabbed so, a goblin and put a goblin in front of him. Yeah. Why did yeah. I should have directed this movie? You're so right. It's unrealistic. <laughs> Well, it's like it's it's this, and then it also it it also is shat like shadowed like or mirrored with like the best part of the movie, which is Riddles in the Dark, right? And Andy Circus yes. just like coming in to just flex his muscles for a little bit, and be like yeah, I still got it, baby, I still got it. Just <laughs> trust in me right now, because like Riddles in the Dark is that good. It is. When the same way, Jess, you're gonna see the same way. Smaug is worth the price of admission for Desolation of Smaug. Riddles in the Dark is worth price of admission for Unexpected Journey. I understand yeah. that. And it was. Yeah. It was. And it um, exceeded my expectations, which were low. And um, and it worked. It worked. Because you know what it is? It's Martin Freeman at his best when he is scrambling, but clever. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably why you think of him for casting is mm. who's – because how good is he as Watson, right? Like, Watson's there because Watson knows how to problem solve. He's not not incapable. He's not incapable. Yeah. He's not perfect, though. Um, so Riddles in the Dark, it, it brings to life a moment that we all know fondly in that book because that, that part of the book slaps also, too. Yes. Yeah. It's odd. Now, the way that... Gollum is portrayed in the books and in the movie. Does it make sense that he likes riddles in this? Does that track as the character we have, we know him from as? It feels a little disparate to me. I well, yeah, because he used to be um, a hobbit, essentially a river folk. Yeah. So similarly to how uh, Bilbo likes riddles and knows them, uh, he probably would have uh, would have heard some riddles in his time and it does say that in in the original hobbit too is that uh he probably you know reminded him of a different time i think is what they say something something along those lines yeah 
It um, is very Smeagol of him to do this. It's not so much Gollum. It's very Smeagol of him yeah. to be like, yeah, that sounds fun. And I, I really enjoyed, and obviously just Andy Serkis hitting it out of the park, but seeing that aspect of his performance brought into this sequence from The Hobbit, I really liked because I think it it highlights um, uh, the the idea of this despicable creature engaging in riddles is you have those two sides of him kind of uh, fighting with each other. Um, so I really Inside enjoyed... You, there s- are two wolves. Inside yes, you, there exactly. are Gollum and Smeagol. Yes. So it, it was enjoyable seeing uh, seeing that dynamic play out in this uh, in this scene, um, and yeah, his his performance is like the the moment when uh, Bilbo asked the first riddle, and he just puts his puts his head on the rock, and he's like looking up, mm-hmm. like a, like an it's innocent so child. It's so good. And you just previously saw him just murder an orc or a goblin, like. Um, well, he did us a favor by killing that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And this thing is that like. Also, I do I think they do a good job where Gollum's a sneak. He likes to come behind people and choke them out or, you know, hit them with a rock. I don't he could probably beat Bilbo in a fight, but he'd get severely injured because Bilbo's got sting. Like, yeah, he if he could have snuck up on Bilbo, then, yeah, he would have just choked him out and eaten him. But now that Bilbo is aware of him, he's got to find a way to, like, outsmart him and like and then eat him. And then you see, like, when things start going wrong, he's like, oh, I'm just going to go get my ring, turn invisible, and eat him. So, like, the yeah. Gollum's still there. Like, it's just, he's, he's taking the long ring. He's playing the long con. Right. Now, Jess, did you know the answer to any of these riddles before they said it? No way. I mean, only because we have read the book recently, perhaps. But I, you know what? I don't do riddles well. I just don't. That's fair. Like, I'm I'm not a, I'm not the best riddle guy either. Could you make up a riddle on the spot? Like, what if you needed to make up a riddle right now? Nope. <laughs> okay, you just. Get I, it I out. just don't want to leave too much dead air and like because nothing's right. gonna happen. <laughs> That's fair. Um, just for the next five is... minutes. Hold hold on. I almost I yeah. almost got it. <laughs> Give me a second. Okay. Don't cut it... any of this. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not going to. Um, what uh, grows in the ground but isn't seen and what what is eaten what isn't eaten unless it's clean potato or a carrot <laughs> sure uh what some has kind four, of tuber. oh i do have one what has four eyes but can't see oh glasses what's a, what's a word with four eyes in it mississippi there you go Ooh, i made the carrot potato one up so See, I'm I'm a fan of the four eyes is good though. I'm a fan of riddles, and uh, of course, it are. has helped me immensely in D and D games as a dungeon master. Oh, because I, bet. I love putting uh, riddles to my players, uh, and then do yeah, you... they sit there for thirty minutes going. Oh. Do you create them or do you look them up? No, I look them up. I'm not that good. I enjoy them. I enjoy solving them and, and like doing them, but I'm I can't write a riddle. No, I'm got not it. Good. I mean, I just wrote that one. I don't know if you caught that. I just wrote yeah. the carrot one. It was really great. Ten so yeah, no. watch out, Tolkien. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I wouldn't do it well, but I think what the what I gather from the riddle game is that it's really not oh, can you make these things up? It's how many times have you played it and with whom. Mm-hmm. To have learned all of them, yeah, in order to play it better next time. 
yep. yeah, it's it's a test of your experience as opposed to your uh, cleverness, maybe. Right. Um, so yeah. Does Bilbo cheat by saying what's in my pocket? Hundred percent. Absolutely. Hundred okay. percent. It's it's a cheat, and I think like it's it's a it's a good moment because he's in this spot where he's like, oh, I'm gonna get eaten. Ooh, I gotta I gotta play dirty. I gotta throw dust in his eyes. Yeah. And trip him. You know, this is no longer a fair fight because my life is on the line. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Bilbo's totally cheating. It's not honorable. Tolkien even acknowledges that uh, that it went kind of against the spirit of the 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 riddle game as this kind of um, sacred concept, which I think is interesting. Um, yeah, totally cheating. But he gives yeah. him three guesses, so maybe it's kind of he actually kind of gave him four. Yeah, the last one was two. Mm-hmm. Last one was two, but both are wrong. Yeah. I right. also like L Gollum. L, take the L, dude. <laughs> Double L. You already ate the go- like. You have the goblin. Go eat the goblin, dude. Yeah, he's got. He's, he's got like goblins. They're, they're not know. tasty. It's like when you have food at home that you can make, but you're like, I'm gonna order pizza. Yeah. I get it. You know, I yeah. get. I may do that tonight. I get it. It's <laughs> Sunday night. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, I I like when he gives his first guess hands. That in this adaptation they show, and it's a again great moment for Martin Freeman to just be amazing, like qu- quickly, like right before he says it, like pulling his hands out of his pockets. Well, it's written mm-hmm. that way too in the book. Well, it, I I think it's a little bit it's exaggerated here, where in the book it's like, oh, he just happened to thankfully not have them in his. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah he's like, but here he's like, just oh. taking my hands out of my pocket or something like that. Like yeah, here he's right. Like, eh before he says it which is fine it it heightens the thing i like about this adaptation is it heightens the tension that at least for me i felt um between gollum and bilbo especially with the way they introduce gollum which you get it in the text of when he's going to get the ring i believe it describes him you know the last time he saw it was when he killed a, a goblin and here we get to bilbo gets to see that happen um so it, it really they, they hit hit the ground running with the tension between the two, which I think yeah. works really well. It does work well. Um, um I you know actually what kind of bums me out just a tad is this is the last time we'll see Gollum. Yep. Yeah. It's really interesting. I do think um they did set us up really well for the through line of having pity. Um, oh, when he get when Gandalf gives him sting, he's like, it, "Courage is not knowing uh, when to take a life, but when not to." Right. And like, it's such a good acting by Andy Serkis and you know the digital artist. So like the look that he's about to stab him, and then he turns, and then just like the look of just he's just sad. Like he's, he's so just, sad. And he just sees like how just like a a horrible life this creature has been given, and he and he decides to just. Just hurdle him. Just kick him in the face and yeah. hurdle him. Just like <laughs> I was okay, gonna mention that. I was that. gonna. I was gonna. You know, put you out of misery like easily. But instead, I'm gonna knee you in the face. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> in, in the book, he just jumps over him. But they made yeah. like that. It's such an interesting choice yeah. to have Bilbo with that big hairy Hobbit foot too. It's yeah. not just a da, normal da, da, kick. Da, da. <laughs> <laughs> or oh. the uh, six million dollar man. Yeah. <laughs> That's so uh, weird. I, I mean, it's, maybe it, it didn't pop off exactly right in the animation. Maybe it was like he tripped, like kind of tripped him, or like he didn't clear him 
No, it was an intentional oh. kick yeah. to the face. He's okay, like, you Bilbo. know what? I'm going to knock out one of those nine teeth you have. Yeah. <laughs> Did he knock out a tooth? No. Could have. He could have. He, he hit him hard. <laughs> Check the tapes. How many teeth does he have in Lord of the Rings? That's a good question. Yeah. We can cross-reference this. That's a good question. Um, I do like, though, that they truncated, like, getting Bilbo out and we didn't have to watch him yeah. also escape the goblins. But, but I, thought, they do... I thought they did a good job by not making it a four-part movie by doing it this way. <laughs> yeah. They, they do a nice homage to it, though, where when he's fleeing from Gollum, th- that's when we get the button-popping moment. So nice yeah. little nod to that whole escape sequence getting past the uh, the goblins. Yeah, like the, the economy of story stuff, like having Bilbo immediately get separated before they encounter the goblin king works having them come out at the same time like that's all like you know peter jackson knows how to uh <laughs> really make this work for film in terms of the pacing like Talk similar about like you, a looney tunes moment like you know like when there's like the dust brawl and then one person steps out of the dust brawl and like it's just the person fighting <laughs> yeah. with themselves yes that's how bilbo gets away from the goblins where like everybody's yes. brawling and he just goes uh, and then they just brawl <laughs> away from him and he's like oh, okay you know what he's so small or supposed to be that it actually makes a lot of sense yeah it, and there's also 13 dwarves like they don't have time to do a head count go we got 14 mate let's go it does yeah. work it's silly but it's like that's the kind of stuff i can believe is yeah some your base instinct kicks in and it works for you yes mm. And yeah, he's playing into his natural hobbit tendencies. They're they're very stealthy. Um, I love it. So they get out of Goblin Town. Thorin again, being his typical uh, Thorin oh. self, blaming Bilbo. Oh, he should have left. You know, he probably left us. Uh, and then Bilbo's like, you know what? I'm not gonna. Le- I am not gonna let that stand. Reveals himself, uh, and you know everybody else is happy to see him. Uh, Thorin's not, but ever, and especially Gandalf, obviously. Um, and they're all wanting an explanation, uh, but he just doesn't give one. Uh, yeah, not even like say, I'm a burg. You- like in the book, he's like I'm a burglar. I did burglary stuff. He doesn't even like try and do that. He's just like, uh? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like a movie thing. But like, how do you guys like that? He's already like kind of playing with the ring in his pocket. Like it seemed like there are, and they do like the 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 little the theme of the ring like when he puts it in his pocket right. and he's kind of like playing with it um do you guys like that he was already like kind of doing that i think so yeah like i there's definitely um the the ring i think immediately acts on anybody who has it yeah and because he's a hobbit he's res- more resistant to it than others and because of the way he got it, he's more resistant to it than others, right? He didn't, uh, like, Gollum claimed it by killing someone, right? He, mm-hmm. in his mind, uh, at least his rationale, he he kind of won it, right? And just happens to find it. He didn't, you know, and, and, and immediately had that moment of pity afterwards. So uh, I think, like, it acting on him in just a way of, like, oh, you know, I'm going to kind of just hold on to this is, is fine, um, and and not wanting to immediately like tell Thorn and company about it, mm-hmm. uh, even though later he does. Um, but yeah, to me that works. It it lines up with uh, you know he's not going like don't ask how I did it and like 
trying to you know being very obvious about it so but gandalf does clock Mm -hmm. the the ring here which is an interesting choice again because i he's suspicious of of bilbo but um i don't think it it seems to me like they were wanting us to believe he just he like straight up saw the ring so uh interesting sort of deviation it's not quite as egregious as the uh rankin and bass that has the ring of truth to it. It really rings true when he's talking about his story. Yeah. Uh, that was very, <laughs> very uh, cheesy. When we get to um, Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, Ben sent me a great gif of Gandalf literally like just purposely scaring Sam <laughs> for no reason. Like, yeah, I'll have to send you that TikTok. Him. It's just yeah. like, and it's also, I was. It's based Gandalf. It it really and especially because someone had to animate that. It right. isn't just like a little out like uh like no someone had to like frame by frame animate just Gandalf like just scaring Sam for no reason. It's so perfect. <laughs> it's it's horrifying and gives gives a whole different impression of Gandalf to me. Um, but that does lead us into the reason why you hold production for Martin Freeman is his speech of like I will you know you don't have a home yes. but I will help you take it back if. If I can, like I this for my yeah. like my garden, my my home, my my comfy chair, like that's where I belong. And that's why you you wait. That's why you hold production. That's why he is Bilbo is this yeah. moment. And it's and also he doesn't look a lot of people in the eye like he's always kind of fidgeting and stuff like that. And like oh, <clears throat> he is looking Thorin directly in the eye and speaking to him as an equal in this moment. I literally clock that where it's just like yeah. he is standing up no social awkwardness nothing like he is saying like this is why i'm here this is why i came back and so i love this moment so much martin freeman is the savior of this trilogy like no matter how just you will see in battle of the five armies how ridiculous this movie gets martin freeman is our north star he is our constant he is our guiding light and that moment, that speech that he gives, it isn't overdone, it isn't some, you know, battle cry or something like that. It is just Bilbo finally speaking his mind when these loud, boisterous dwarves who have been talking and over-talking and shouting and making merry and destroying furniture and skinny-dipping for two and a half hours, <laughs> he finally gets his say, and it is perfect. It's yeah. one of the things that's hard, not hard, well, yeah, um... I don't understand what Gandalf sees in a in a hobbit from the Shire. I don't understand how this guy who's never fought a licket in his life is able to do so many things, who's never stolen anything. And I understand a lot of weight is rested on the Tookish side of him, I, in the book at least. But in this moment, it actually works. The, the, the growth works for me. I'm like, ah, he's he's coming into his own. He he was more adolescent than we realize, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, and and we we do. I do enjoy the moment jumping back with Gandalf and Galadriel, where she asks him, she asks Gandalf, "Why did why the Hobbit?" And he says, "I'm not sure." Know. He gives me hope and 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 you know, courage. And sometimes it's the deeds of everyday folk that can keep evil at bay, uh, which is a very Tolkien theme and idea i liked that acknowledgement and i agree i like the we're seeing bilbo grow here and that speech exemplifies that however 
in the next scene, I think they sped that growth up a little bit because we get Azog coming in out of the frying pan into the fire. And in this sequence, when they get chased up the trees, um, Thorin comes out. They all um, sort of get into one tree. It's like hanging off the cliff, like very dramatically. They're amping up the tension here. Um, and Thorin goes out to meet Azog one-on-one combat um, because he's just, A, just learned that he's alive still. And now should have been now, the reveal of the movie. Should have been. It should have <laughs> happened here. Yes. Um, it should have happened here. Uh, but when he gets his ass kicked immediately, because they're still kind of tired from, uh, you know, fighting their way out of uh, Goblin Town. Oh, that's Thorin's the reason. A, sure. Yeah, it is. I'm sure. Sure, sure. He also gets. He also gets dump trucked by a white ward. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's about to get his head chopped off, and what happens? Bilbo straight up tackles an orc and just stabs him in the chest and kills him. Repeatedly. It, this <laughs> moment, like, I'm fine with Bilbo doing heroic things, but I think there it's a jump from, like, using wits and cleverness. Yeah. With, like, the first time we kind of see it is, like, in Mirkwood. Um when he kind of say, I mean, well, he in the movie version he saves him with his wits from the trolls, uh, with Gandalf's help. But then in Mirkwood is when he really kind of comes into his own and starts saving the dwarves again and again. But it is um, also with wits during that as well too. Yeah, and, that and the help of the ring. in order to escape, it necessitates his violence. Yes, exactly. So th- this seems like I get what they're doing with this being part of the character arc and the tension between Thorin and Bilbo, which I enjoy, but particularly with having it culminate right after a beautiful like speech about how he feels, and he's like, I'm going to help you on the quest, to I'm going to commit this act of violence, which I have a hard time believing a hobbit could do that, just stature-wise. Um, not the biggest dork. He's not a Zog-sized, but still a guy who's barely fought anything before. He's barely used Sting. Um, well, and isn't it just that too? Isn't the first kill he makes a spider, and thus that's why he calls it Sting? Yes, correct. Like, yeah, it's not, he hasn't he hasn't named the sword yet. No, but that's what I'm saying. The first kill is the spider. Yes, and that's when he decides to call it Sting because the spiders say that it's Sting. So I think you're right. Like it makes more sense in character for him to have wit- outwitted them again to save him. Or just have it be a moment where he, uh, it's a it's a sort of symbolic act of I'm going to charge in and try and save you, but I'm ineffectual. And Thorin still doesn't die, obviously, but like the fact that he he literally saves Thorin's life by killing somebody, I think, is odd to me. Um, or I, like it, ha- have it where because he kills a warg before he goes up into the tree. Have it like a moment like that where like. He's kind of backing up with his sword and the wolf like runs straight into it. And then like he can't pull his sword out. You know, he can't pull sting out. Right. Have it something like that. Or, you know, just him jumping in front and then all the other dwarves like come in and like charge in as well. Do we? Yeah. Like do these things happen because they don't give us enough credit as the audience to think those like 
do like they do they feel like we need him to be more heroic in order for this movie to be more interesting? Because like think about it, this is the same dude who kicked a guy in the face to run away from him, who crouched his fight, flight, or fright. Wait, flight, freeze, or fl- so flight. Freeze or fight are the three. They're they're proving more and more that freeze is one of them. He freezes. His his freezing is has gotten him saved. He doesn't run. He doesn't fight. So how how come all of a sudden he has this change of uh, adrenaline reaction? Exactly. Oh yeah, it, I hear it. I hear that. It doesn't make sense to me. Um. I, again, I, I, all I think all we needed was the speech to show that he's there. But but then I think the reason they do it is because then later, yeah, Thorin reciprocates because that's his that Thorin's love language is killing orcs. You know, oh, you killed an orc for me and saved my life. Yeah. I can I can feel you. So you know. Fallout Boy. <laughs> so very Fallout Boy. Uh, can we talk about we cannot the the moth? No. What yes, did y'all think course. about the moth? I don't think we needed the moth. I think uh, it's too Lord of the Rings. Like, I understand the eagles do come in in the book. Um, and I'm okay with the eagles coming in here. But in the same exact way that he gets rescue, rescued from Orthanc, like, that's... And in much less time, by the way. That moth, it, like, that moth seemed to take a few days on Orthanc, but that moth is zipping. That moth is Amazon Prime oh, over yeah. there, man. Same, Same day, day delivery. Uh, but I'm okay with the Eagles, and I, I have it written down that Bilbo's look of horror as he first sees an eagle, like, just yeet a wolf off the cliff. I'm with you. I'm sorry. Yeah. If I saw a giant eagle just bare fist a warg and just like eh later off a cliff i'd also be like that's you know helpful but good lord what else is in middle earth like can i go back to the shire immediately and and also he doesn't know if they're gonna do that to him exactly yeah yeah that's act that does help like it's hard to it's hard to um articulate that in film because it's done really well in the in the um book it's like he doesn't know if he's a prisoner or he's like yeah. gonna be food um but i think you bring up a great point he has seen the scariest thing from below underneath he has seen fright from the skies and stone giants he i would actually probably tuck it in and pray to god no one finds me next to the like uh, the rock i decided to live by yeah <laughs> and I, I feel like I would just be like, I guess I, I'll go forward because I don't want to go back of what I just faced. Like, so I guess I'll go forward. And he's just lying, saying, I, I'm here to help you guys find a home, yo. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's when I, that's how I clocked it. He's like, you expect, I'm going to go back through the Misty Mountains right now? Yeah, exactly. Sure. What I just, no, no, I'm, I'm going to go forward and I don't know how I'm getting home. Like, <laughs> like I drove my friend across the country to, to Arkansas and then I flew home, but there's there's no flight home here. Like he, uh, they always <laughs> yeah. skip that part. Like in Lord of the Rings and in this, like oh the journey, you know, there and back again. You, you didn't skip the back again. Luckily, the the back again was uneventful. <laughs> right. Luckily, exactly. That's yeah. so true. Um, yeah. So the moth is egregious. The eagles rescuing them is pretty cool. 
it's a cool little moment. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed uh, how they depicted that, and then like the eagles just sort of like dropping them to each other, uh, and just very cool, barely swooping in. It was it was it was a fun fun way to represent that. Yeah, I my my thoughts on the moth are I mean that's not it's how it happened in the movie. It's not how it happened in the book, and so I again it's just like why make the connection um it's i don't know again, if you're an, an audience member you understand you don't know the book you understand why all of a sudden eagles come unless like because i think in the in the book i'm pretty sure like don't they like tell gandalf like they saw the smoke and so they came yeah. to investigate or something exactly they don't talk in the movies right so you have right. to have a reason for them to be there because otherwise like it's even more of an ex machina than it already is. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I do get it, but it's also, and it's, it's us, you know, for, and I, I'm not saying this in any like disparaging way for the common person. It's like, Oh, I, I remember the moth. Yeah. The moth and the Eagles. Like, okay. But like for us super nerds, it's like, Oh my God, we get it. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. get it. Okay. I, I, I guess that's what I I'm just, saying it is. It's helpful to those yeah. dudes that just don't know it. Yeah, it's it's the shorthand that has been built up from from the movies, but so yeah, get over it, does, it, Alex. Jeez, it it just bothers me because they're not a taxi service. You can't just call them like an Uber every time you need the Eagles. Oh, let me just send out a moth. Like that's not how the Eagles work, and yeah. it bothers me because this it perpetuates the questions that Jess is all too familiar with. Why didn't the Eagles just fly him into Mordor? Because you can't just summon him whenever you want. So that anytime I see this kind of thing, it just it it bothers me. It bothers me. And you know but what? I get That's it. The I get why it's can, there. That's the hill you can die on. I'm gonna. I'll. I'll just to make you feel a little bit better, my love. I didn't like it either. I thought it was. Yeah. You know. Uh, but this by this point though, I was really ready for the movie to be done. So. <laughs> anything Fair. that would have carried on the i was like so he sent the moth and the moth is gonna get the eagles soon why aren't they here now <laughs> like i really was so ready right. for the eagles to be right there um anyway so so the, the eagles drop them yeah they get saved and they get brought to the uh the mountains uh where they can get a beautiful view of erebor um oh well, for well and also gandalf uh, uses some healing powers on Thorin because they're all mm -hmm. afraid. Like, oh, Thorin is he dead? When they're flying back, um, when he when he's in the eagle's claw, uh, so he heals Thorin, and we get this amazing moment of Thorin, um, the 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 classic trope of I'm gonna be really pissed at you. Yeah, and I'm glad I was wrong. Like yeah. the, the the twist, which it works great. It works and yeah. completely redeem yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bill was like, oh. Oh no! Oh, okay. It, it, okay. Like as much as we all don't like Thorn in this movie, it for me it was a cathartic hug. It works yes. for me. The hug totally. does work for me, and like, and that's just like I guess the skill of acting that they like. You there are really good actors in these movies, like, and so just Richard Armitage, like him, you know, like you said, it is a Dumb and Dumber line. Like just when I thought you couldn't be any dumber, you go and do this. And totally yeah. redeem yourself. Like, that's <laughs> such a line. And it's the same exact line, but said dramatically. And that gives skill and credence to Richard Armitage's acting of like, and I could never be more wrong. And just his relief that he was wrong about Bilbo. Right. And this is one of the boys. And like, he's saying it as he's giving the hug and the surprise on Bilbo's face. Uh, and the and score swells. It works yeah. so well. 
Exactly. You yeah, the see score admit being wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it is a, it the movie does do a good job of like Thorne like being the stubborn, curmudgeonly, don't trust anybody, don't accept anybody new, no new friends kind of person. And then that hug, like, boom, you're in. Totally. And so I, I do like that moment. Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they see Airborne. Mm-hmm. They, they have and the Bilbo sign. And Bilbo jinxes it. <laughs> Jinx is all Bilbo's fault. What does he say? I do believe the worst is behind us. Thanks, Bilbo. Oh. Uh, Thanks, Bilbo. Come on, Bilbo. It's like this when is Alex first has first grade stuff. It's like when Alex has a hot magic streak and he's like, I'm gonna win them all. And he loses yeah. the next one. You, you don't talk to a pitcher during a perfect game. You don't like you don't order your food when it's dead at a restaurant. You don't Ooh. do these things. You don't do it. I didn't Look, know it's that. Bilbo's first adventure. Let's yeah. cut him some slack. He doesn't he know these rookie. things. He went yeah. through some stuff, though, too. He can't imagine anything yeah. worse. This is this has been the worst 24 hours of his life. But also, <laughs> Bilbo, where did sense leave you? You're heading toward a dragon. So actually, he's an idiot. So, like, <laughs> you, oh, I know about dragons. Do you know what they're going to do to you? Like, he's already been told about how quickly he will die. So to th- for him to think the worst... Is behind. Yeah. He's he's straight up looking at the. You worst. know what he's trying to do is <laughs> yeah. he's manifesting. Yes, he's trying to there manifest. There you go. He read the secret. Yeah, he was like, I think I can make this. Ag- I can do anything. He's riding the high of being accepted by the bros. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm gonna. I will. I'll. I'll say that much. If I just got a ride from a great eagle away from a burning tower of orcs, and I finally got validation from the boss. I would be fi- riding pretty. You're invincible. So that, the wizard yeah. and, likes you. Like what the? Right. Heck? Everything's going really well. And he's also got that ring magic yeah. coursing through his veins. Exactly. He's high on that too. <laughs> he just out riddled Gollum and kicked him in the face as he escaped the the goblin tunnels. <laughs> he smoked what Radagast smoked. He's doing good. He's high <laughs> on life, man. I, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. It's dumb, but it it actually is one of the few things yeah. in this movie that actually makes sense. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so that I think that's that brings that to the close. Is that right? Is there anything more in this movie no. after that? No, that's it. That's it. Go. Cut, hard, hard cut to black. After I think the worst is behind us. <laughs> and you know what? It's also true, not true for the no, movies. No. There is, there is actually. It's not that you see the thrush returning yeah. to the mountain. Oh, yeah. And then it's it's such a it's so good. Like this is the tease. The tease is so good. Like you can say these movies are rushed and I've said it like studio interference. But Peter Jackson is a theater man. The guy knows theatrics. The thrush cracking the snail and you see it echoing through the halls of Erebor. And then boom, the the snort and then the dragon's eye opens and you hear it growl and then cut to black. The thrush woke up the dragon. Okay. Exactly. Wow. So if it weren't, what you're saying, Jess, is if it weren't for that bird, they would have just gone in there, grabbed the Ark and Stone. He might have woken up a different way eventually. But as as far as this depiction goes, (sighs) the thrush is the leaf. And that Smaug is the Balrog. I I rest my case. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't wait to see you. Smaug is Sourman confirmed. Got it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Smaug is Celeborn uh, yeah. in the Rings of Power. Smaug is Mephisto. We got it. <laughs> Perfect. 
well, yes, there's so much to love. There's so much to hate. There's so much to scratch your head and go, why? And at the same time, just delight. And I'm really anxious. I forgot Legolas's in them. I, can, I, can I mention one thing I forgot to mention Lord. in my notes? No, of course, baby. Galadriel straight up Dark Knight and Gandalf. Do you guys remember no. this? It no. might have it might have only been in the extended. Oh yes, like with the the hands and, and then she just, just disappears. Just disappears. And he's like yes. looks around just like Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> I just it is I just odd. love that moment. It is I forgot odd. to mention that. <laughs> but I that I thought we, we did talk about that moment because that's where the romance was, I thought. Or yeah. like what yes. you guys thought. Okay. For sure. But well, but straight up the disappearance was what, yeah, what better was way to leave your lover than with mystery. And that and that's what goes <laughs> into like these godlike beings were just like uh, like a day to, back to like day-to-day life with them and it's it's, it's, it's a tough sell that lord that uh, rings of power has and i think they're they're doing as good as they can with it they really can they they really do i think we'll see we'll 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 see what happens when we do our recap and go into season two that will happen in probably 2025 honestly it's it's yeah, a it's, couple it's, years it's, it's probably not even worth talking about um <laughs> which is why we're keeping busy with so many other Lord of the Rings esque things. Ben, thank you again for joining us. Um, what's your, always fun. What's your like one sentence summary feeling about this first movie? I think this is a legitimately good movie. There are tough parts about it, but Martin Freeman solidifies himself as a lovely successor to Elijah Wood and Sean Austin. Um, the dwarves aren't quite the fellowship, but the small parts each of them have, they take like a huge bite of without like being like, oh, hey, th- there's never like that. I'm the big extra moment. Right. Boffer. I think his name is James Nesbitt. I think that's who that, that is. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, Jason Nesbitt? Him. No. It's maybe. James. I'm not no, sure. That's not an English um, name. <laughs> uh, him. You know, I wish you all the luck in the world. Uh, is beautiful. There's there's a lot of lovely moments, and I really do. I give this movie like an 8 out of 10. Wow. And like Lord of the Rings are 10 out of 10. That whole trilogy, mm. 10 out of 10. Perfect, flawless. Don't ever touch them. Uh, but this movie is an 8 out of 10 for me, and I, I really felt back at home in Middle Earth when I first watched this. Lord of the Rings isn't 10 out of 10 for me only because You're of wrong. how Legolas <laughs> jumps onto the horse and defies actual gravity. <laughs> and it's I don't know why they did it's that. It's the like, weirdest thing. He loops right onto it. Like him just doing whoop would have been perfect, but it, they make him go, yep. and he, like, he like doubles what? back for what about absolutely when he, no reason. What about when he walks on snow? That's fine. That's, di- That's fine. That's different. That's he, very how, different. Okay, but he's defying physics so here's in that the moment thing. too. They, it's all CGI, him doing this body bending contortionist anti-gravity move to get onto a horse when it would have just made sense to grab it and swoop from under and end on it like it just doesn't it looks like it looks you know what it does this is also why it's nine out of nine nine out of ten because it it's akin to the doll of gandalf being whipped around in a circle on sauron's marble floor it's the same camp it's dumb. Where he's grasping. That's not dumb. You're wrong. Okay. There. Anyway, Alex, tell everybody how uh, they can. I'm shook from what Ben just said, but I will tell everyone how they can find us on the internet. Twitter.com slash pot of the rings. Uh, Patreon.com slash pot of the rings. 
on Instagram at POTR pod. I can't believe you like that scene, Ben. Uh, you can go to podcast of the you rings. Have chosen the way of pain. <laughs> Come on. I'm sorry. Where like the animatronics is just clasping at the floor. What do you, wait, what are you talking it's about? It's not, it's a real guy. It's not. It's a real guy. That's a yes, it fake is. No, it's not. It's a real guy. No, it's, it's not. Practical. No, it's there's not. There's the one shot of him going up that's CG. No, there's a, anyway. there's a doll of him going around in circles. Podcastoftherings.com for all the other information. Uh, I, look, I look forward you know, to Geek we, with Shield stake on this. Oh, my God. It's This is the most controversial thing that's ever happened. But that's where you can find it. And you can find Ben Goddard at everywhere uh, at the Ben Goddard. Everywhere at the Ben Goddard. At me and tell me how wrong Jess and Alex are that they're not, these are flawless. I'm not above. I'm not above being. There is, there is the actual one movie mistake when you watch um, Aragorn run to Boromir after, after he kills, uh, is it Lurtz? Yeah. The, the orc. Uh, There's an extra of one of the Urukai, and he, like he's laying down, and he goes, "Huh?" and he looks up for one second, and then lays back down. I never so there's know, a, I'm gonna have to rewatch so that scene. Go, I've never noticed. Go, that. everyone, go YouTube that. Go watch the Lurtz versus Aragorn fight into the the beautiful moving Boromir death scene. When Aragorn is running across the field, there's one orc that looks up, and I can't believe it's such a simple scene. Like I know that's like a bunch of yeah. bodies, but like the fact that no one caught this guy just look up, like, "Hey." Like that's it's his moment. The, that's his claim to fame. It's, it's be like the Starbucks that's me, that's me. cup. It's, no, the Starbucks it. cup of uh uh yeah, of Game of Thrones. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh you can find Alex doing Twitch stuff on at twitch.tv slash soulkatu. I'm Jessica Nerdy for some reason. Uh this has been Podcast of the Rings, a new episode every Tuesday, folks. And next week, if you're watching along with us, get your hands on that extended version, the desolation of Smaug, it's happening. It's happening. Part Let's go. one of part two next week. And until, wait, you say it until then, Ben. And until then, Mayor Roads meet again. <laughs>